Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Phil Mackie, Judd Zolgad. No, ma'am, we do not have a sense of humor we're aware of. May we come in? Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. we got to be better. That's the bottom line. And uh, if it's not, uh, then you... Then this happens, so uh, it's, it's a matter of uh, being consistent this league. If you want to be a good team, if you want to be a successful team, if you want to be a team one at the top, and uh, we haven't been able to do that uh, so far this season, so uh, we gotta we got to find it fast. That is Minnesota Wild captain Miko Koivu. The Minnesota Wild play the Stars tonight. Matthew Collar along with Jess Myers, a pair of hockey folk watching Hockey Central on our Roku TV in here. And uh, World Juniors we were watching earlier. Those are going on in uh, my old hometown right now in Buffalo. And uh, Jess, uh, naturally, when the Minnesota Vikings are good, they're at the top of everybody's list for conversation. I look at every day our web clicks and uh, compare that to last year at the end of the season to where we're at now for the interest in the Minnesota Vikings. It's uh, double uh, or more, as you might expect. But if I could write the best Minnesota Wild story that has ever been written about the Minnesota Wild in the history of the earth, and I don't think it would get three clicks because Wild fans right now and sports fans in Minnesota are at a low point in my mind. I haven't been here the whole time they've been in existence, but a low point for interest and optimism about the Minnesota Wild team. Would you agree with that? Is that accurate? I think you're absolutely accurate with that. And again, it seems like a franchise. And there I did. I said again when I haven't said this yet, but we, we were talking off air about how, you know guys who do Athletes that. Athletes do that who all Who the claim time. they're repeating something when yeah. they're really not. But Obviously. Like, uh, yeah, well, obviously. Not or, that obvious. or like I said earlier. Well, no, I actually didn't I, say it earlier. We just started this interview. How uh, could I, it be I, like I'm going to say it right now. This team seems to be kind of stuck in limbo. Um, you know, right kind of... Close to a playoff spot, although this this little losing streak they've been on has dropped their playoff chances. I love this stat. Uh, 27.7% chance of making the playoffs right now, where uh, just like a week and a half ago it was up like 65%. So um, they're right in the thick of things. Not a bad team necessarily, but nothing really grabs your attention and says, wow, I got to see this guy or I got to see this team play for this reason. And, uh, you know, that's where they're kind of stuck right now. That's a dangerous place to be in Minnesota in a state where a lot of people know the game. Um, A lot of people think they know the game better than the guys on the ice or the guys behind the bench, uh, maybe, um, when this team is kind of stuck in that mediocre area. Yeah, people still show up. The games are always packed, and there's always good crowds Hard to get there. a ticket still. And the crowds are engaged. Yeah, I was kind of surprised when you go on to Schmub Schmub and uh, you look at 
what secondary market tickets cost. It's a lot more than in other hockey markets, um, way more than in the previous hockey market that I've uh, worked in. Um, so it you know, doesn't surprise me that those fans still show up and they enjoy the game and they're active and engaged and that sort of thing. But uh, and then they'll see a win half the time. They'll see a loss half the time. But it's very much just a franchise kind of floating around being not very relevant, even in its own market. I've had people ask me like, oh, I bet they love their hockey there. And I'm like, yeah, high school hockey. Like, yeah, college hockey. I mean, people are really into that high school tournament. It's amazing. You, you watch, talk about, but... you know, last night there weren't a lot of games on. Far and away, the biggest game in the Twin Cities, probably the biggest game in Minnesota last night, was Edina-Minnetonka mm-hmm. high school game where, you know, Edina, which for all intents and purposes looked like they were going to cruise undefeated through the entire season. They were averaging eight goals a game. They get upset by Minnetonka last night. That's the buzz in the Twin Cities, you know, in a lot of circles this morning is last night's high school hockey game. And people getting excited for that high school tournament is the most hockey excitement that we have Absolutely. right now. And last year I argued, I came on all the time with Mackie and Judd. And when we were talking hockey argued that that was different last year was a different season that stands out to me among the many times that the wild have been eliminated in the first round or sometimes in the second round, mostly in the first that it was it was a different team. By all the numbers, Bruce Boudreaux had his team playing at a very high level. They were a top-to-bottom team. Mikel Granlin had risen his level of play, scored 69 points last year, that they were more dangerous than they had been during Yo at any time during Mike Yo's tenure and were a legitimate Stanley Cup favorite. Not even just a contender, but a favorite, one of the best teams in the National Hockey League. But as they were eliminated in the first round, I think that ended kind of the run with the core of teams that you have, the possibility where you could be a legitimate Stanley Cup contender, save for the hot goalie thing, which sometimes happens and gets a team deep in the playoffs. But outside of that, outside of a goalie getting hot and carrying you for a round or two and getting you deep, it's pretty clear that this group of players is not going to take you anywhere. And Zach Parise is going to come back. Okay, well, that's great, but he's coming off back surgery. Suter's only got so much time left when he's a great player. I feel like you've also got, too, a general manager in the last year of his contract that it might be a time for them to make some sort of big splash move to try and bring in a player that could change kind of shake things up and change the trajectory of where this franchise is going and and Jess you know people will say oh yeah okay who are you going to get Sidney Crosby but the New Jersey Devils are first in their conference or in their division right now because they traded for Taylor Hall yeah I mean, Philip Forsberg is in uh, Nashville. P.K. Subban is in Nashville. That was a franchise-changing trade to move out Shea Weber and bring in P.K. Subban. And I'm sure that there were people in Nashville who thought, oh, this won't work, trade our best player. But Subban has put them over the top to be one of the most dangerous and fun-to-watch teams in the NHL. Asking a GM to just make a big trade, I know, is like the most sort of fan thing ever. Just make a big trade! But... (laughs) You have a lot of players that have value, I think, right now in their mid-20s who have kind of proven to be what they are that would still get a lot of attention on the market, and maybe that opportunity is here, and now that you're not at the top of the standings like you were last year, 
Time to pull the trigger. Get some interest back in this team. There's that kind of mediocrity mediocrity that you talk about, that this team is kind of what it is. There's there's no, you know, we keep wondering, does Charlie Coyle have a next gear? Well, I think what we've seen from Charlie Coyle is kind of what you're going to get from Charlie Coyle. Mm-hmm. Same with Mikhail Granlin. He's never going to be a offensive superstar. He's going to be a pretty good player. Um, and, and, you know, you've got Eric Stahl leading the team offensively, which is a great story, but he's getting deeper and deeper into his 30s, and, you know, that's you have to wonder about the sustainability of that. The other alarming stat, if you're a Wild fan, and there are a lot of Wild fans out there, the other alarming part is you look at the age, the overall age of this team and kind of the pipeline. Uh, I saw a stat done like, you know, all 31 teams in the NHL ranked from youth to oldest. The Wild were like 29th on that list. So mm-hmm. there's not a lot of, you know, there's not a guy tearing it up with the Iowa Wild that you keep saying, uh, I can't wait to see what Alex Tuck looks like in a Wild uniform. Well, we saw that last year. Now he's lighting it up for the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, same with Eric Halla, who, you know, showed some flashes of brilliance and potential. He's in Vegas now as well. You know, those two elements are gone from this team. So, I think you're right on the right track. Um, you know, do something, shake this up, and not only to bring a new face in here, but also to send a message to what seems to be a pretty complacent locker room to say mm-hmm. nobody's safe here. You know, it goes back five, six, seven, maybe even longer than that now. But when Nick Schultz was traded, he had been a lifetime member of the Wild. He had played at the time more games in a Wild uniform than anybody. And at the deadline, they moved Nick Schultz. It didn't turn out to be a huge thing on the ice. But the message was sent in the locker room that, hey, nobody's safe here. Nobody's complacent here. Anybody can be moved at any time. And if you're not delivering and if you're not playing up to the level that we expect, the level we demand, you might be playing somewhere else. And even though they have an older roster, I don't see them as a team that is in a position to just tank. I mean, we see that all the time with teams where they're like, well, you know, we're probably getting on the older side, so let's just shuffle a few guys out of here. Let's bring up the AHL guys. Whoops, we're playing our backup goalie every other game. And uh, look, we're trying to get uh, toward those top picks. I mean, uh, even Winnipeg they had a number of decent players, but when they got Patrick Line, it was pretty clear toward the end that, all right, this team wants top picks. And we've seen Buffalo tank. We saw Edmonton tank for McDavid. We've seen Arizona continue to tank. I don't think the Wild could possibly do that. I think their coach is too good, for one. I put Bruce Boudreau at, toward the very top in the NHL for coaches. And you think about that, too. You have one of the best coaches, and this is where they're at. He's coaching this much out of them is just a fourth place team in the central. And, uh, but you all, you probably have too much talent to just say, all right, well, we're getting into that lottery now. That's why it sort of screams retool like a Nashville when Nashville fired Barry Trotz and then he ends up in Washington. But when they fired him, I think a lot of people thought, well, that's the end of Nashville. They missed their chance. They had a lot of good teams. They had that one year that Radulov showed up, and then they bench Radulov in the playoffs and all those things while well, they missed their shot with the good goaltending and everything else. And they, too, did not have the big megastar when they were making the playoffs, just like this team really doesn't since uh, Parisi has gone on to his older age. But making one or two big trades there, being willing to take those risks has put them back in that conversation and got them back in the Stanley Cup final. And I even look at the Kings. I thought the Kings were kind of dead after last year. And now the Kings make a change. They change coaches. Uh, That's what they needed to do. I don't think this team needs that. But staying status quo with this roster that you have, 
it has way too many holes. And if you think Parisi's just going to come back, and it especially has holes after making one of the worst trades I can remember to send Marco Scandella to Buffalo for Marcus Foligno and Tyler Ennis. I mean, I know both of those guys from my time in Buffalo, and I like them both as guys, but you trade a top four defenseman for a fourth liner and a guy who hasn't scored in years, who's had major concussion issues, that that kind of punched a giant hole in what was a really good team last year. Now the only thing left to do, I think, is to take a big swing and at least take a shot. You know, here's a good example. Ottawa trades for Matt Duchesne. It has not worked out for them. Where I would give them credit, though, is trying to trade for Matt Duchesne. Absolutely. Recognizing, yeah, we got deep last year, but this is not going to work again. So we better find somebody who could make us relevant and give us a chance. And this guy's on the market, so they traded for him. I would, even if it blew up in the wild face, I would respect that more than I would respect just going with the same Charlie Coyle, Granlin, Zucker, the same old guys who are going to go out there and do the same exact thing again. There's only so many ways you can shuffle those deck chairs. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I think uh, I get a vibe that a lot of times Bruce Boudreaux seems like he doesn't really like the makeup of this team. Yeah, oh, definitely. We've seen some kind of sarcastic post games from him. We've seen, you know, some pretty frank talk about guys not playing well. You know, he he did not mince words when Matt Dumba was turning over pucks and making mistakes and, you know, costing them goals at important times. And to his credit, Dumba has responded with more offense. He's he's always probably going to be a defensive liability. But, yeah, you know, I think... You're absolutely right in the fact that you can't just expect, well, well, we'll move, you know, Coil to this line and move Zucker down to this line, and that'll solve everything. Um, it doesn't work that way. And you do respect those GMs that have gone out and made the bold move. Now, you talk about the impact one player can have. There is not a Steven Stamkos on this line in this lineup. There's not a Steven Stamkos mm-hmm. available via trade. There's not a Steven Stamkos in their minor league system they can bring up. But with that said, look at the Tampa Bay Lightning last year. When Steven Stamkos is hurt for most of the year, you know, it was a team that missed the playoffs. We were told that John Cooper all of a sudden couldn't coach and, you know, they had to start everything over. And then Stamkos comes back and now they're the best team in the NHL and looking at potentially bringing a second Stanley Cup to Florida, which, you know, I I just love that concept in itself. But you know, that's the difference one guy can make to kind of shake up a locker room. We saw it three, four years ago when Devin Dubnik came to town, when they had lost confidence in their goaltending. They brought in a guy who was looking for a chance to redeem himself. He stepped in. He changed the nature of this team virtually overnight. So I think you're right in that that kind of shake-up move is needed. Uh, you are vindicated on the John Cooper take, by the way, because I remember you were arguing with uh, maybe a scout or somebody last year about John Cooper, and you were arguing in his favor, and uh, the person you were talking to was not a huge fan, and now they are the number one team in the NHL. My take was this. John Cooper is going to win a Stanley Cup. I hope it's in Tampa, but you know, if Tampa was dumb enough to, to get rid of John Cooper, he would go somewhere else and win a Stanley Cup. I just see it happening. Is there That's, a connection? Is he a Minnesota guy? He's not a Minnesota guy. I've known John Cooper for a long time, going back to when he was coaching high schools in Michigan. So mm. he's a friend of mine. You know, I'll admit there's some some bias there because I've known him for a long time. But I just think what his story is amazing. Um, do you have like a do you like a is that like your best call ever or your best take that's really worked out in your favor so much that you're like pimping it. You know, when a guy makes a three and he holds up the hand yep. as he walks. I mean, that's a that's a pretty good one. 
Um, I like to think about all that that all the time about how our takes work out, right? You know, like, well, the best one what, I've had. What, what good takes, what bad yeah, takes. Yeah. The best one I've had, and Royce gives me credit for this uh, pretty much every time we talk about him, was the Dubnik trade. Um, oh, okay. For some reason, I was watching the Coyotes a lot that season. Mike Smith was hurt. They <laughs> had brought in they had brought in Devin Dubnik as a reclamation project, and he was playing great. Now, knowing Mike Smith was going to come back healthy, and Dubnik would be relegated to a backup role at best, that's about the time Darcy Kemper starts not playing well. Mm-hmm. It was about this time of year, you know, three four years ago. Pat asked me on air, "What are the Wild going to do about goaltending?" And I said, "Here's what they do if they were smart." Offer a draft pick to Arizona to get Devin Dubnik. They turn around. They do exactly that. Dubnik comes in and is better than anybody expected. They make the playoffs, you know, all that. So that was my best take. Uh, my, I had a good one last year with Nashville where they went into the playoffs. All their advanced numbers looked like, wow, this team, their record does not match up with what their stats look like. Yep. And so I, I did pick the Wild to go deep, but said – Nashville is the top team, probably, from all the numbers, and they end up in the Stanley Cup Final. And now that's showing up in the standings with how good they are. And my worst hockey one ever, when the Pittsburgh Penguins fired, what was the guy's name? Johnston, Mike Mike Johnston? Eddie Johnston. Eddie Johnston, yep. Billy Johnson, Joe Johnson, Gore Johnson, whatever his name was. When they hired Mike Sullivan and fired their previous coach, I thought, man, they should see if Crosby wants to be traded. <laughs> <laughs> and I wrote an article too about like they maybe they should ask Malkin and Crosby if they want to be moved because you could bring back so much you could restart your franchise this way and I think that your run is over and it looked it really looked that way but then the coach turned it around they made a bunch of trades that I never would have seen coming they got this goaltender from the AHL who turned out to be amazing and then they win the next two Stanley Cups. But at that time, it looked like everything was going to go their opposite way. So. I said two or three years ago that the window of opportunity for the Washington Capitals had closed. So oh, I, yeah. I, I, I was yeah. off on that one. Yep. I, I thought that, you know, they had their run. It's just not going to happen. And, and, you know, they're right back in the thick of it now. I felt the same exact way about the Capitals. We'll take a break here. And uh, something I brought up to you off the air that I want to throw out there, a reason why the Vikings playing the Super Bowl at home. Like, there's a lot of conversation. Wow, it'd be the first time it ever happened. The reason that that would not be good. For the Vikings to play the Super Bowl at U.S. Bank Stadium. Matthew Collar, Jess Myers, in for Mackie and Judd. Mackie and Judd now continue. Put on your big boy pants and let's go. Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. You know, I thought it was a good win tonight. Uh, you know, it's it's always good uh, to win division games on the road. Um, I'm not sure we played our best game tonight. Uh, we left, you know, we, we left some things out there offensively, but... Uh, you know, Green Bay for having some guys out. I thought they played well defensively. And, uh, you know, it was good that uh, good to be able to come in here and get a win. That's Minnesota Vikings head coach Mike Zimmer, Matthew Collar, Jess Myers, Dave Harrigan here. And um, I was thinking about the Super Bowl. We're hosting the old uh, big game uh, here in Minnesota. Have you been to one? Have you covered a Super Bowl? I have before? not, no. Okay. Um, as you might have noticed, the Bills didn't make any. So uh, at least well, I remember the Bills making a bunch. Well, recently, as long as I have been a professional journalist, they have not made the playoffs. In fact, as long as I've been an adult, they have not made the playoffs. In my entire my entire relationship, the playoffs, not even the playoffs, not even wow. The entire time I have been with my wife for ten years, like from dating. Thank you. From the time we were dating, like we've been married for uh, I don't know, I do the math, like five now. So, but anyway. The Bills have not made the playoffs the entire time I've known my wife. I have gotten to vote 
Uh, I turned 21. I got a driver's license. All these things have happened. Went to college, even took a year off of college in between. All of the time, the Bills have not made the playoffs. And then last week, they've got a chance to beat the Patriots and put themselves in a great chance, and they get a a reception turned over in the end zone. (laughs) So, (laughs) I mean, I know all about this. When we were talking all day about the fan mentality. You've got to feel good for those long-suffering Boston fans, though. I think think it's been, what, like six months since they've they've had a parade They've had it very, very tough. They've had it very, very hard. The one reason that it would not be good for the Minnesota Vikings to be in the Super Bowl in Minnesota. I don't mean just in the Super Bowl. That would always be good for the fans. Is that no one from Minnesota is going to be able to go. If they make the Super Bowl, there will be a 1,000 Minnesotans and 64,000 corporate people from other states around the country or from the NFL or from families of the players or everything else that... It, it could happen in downtown Minneapolis that your team wins the Super Bowl and no one will have saw it outside of on television. <laughs> and I was just thinking about that the other day that I was talking to somebody who was who was like, oh, I, I would love to get my hands on Super Bowl tickets. And it's basically impossible unless you are willing to take a second mortgage on your house. And I think about I was doing research on the advantage that U.S. Bank Stadium gives the Vikings. And it's remarkable. Like they are eleven and four since U.S. Bank Stadium opened. Two losses to the Lions, by the way. Two How about that? Two losses to stat? the Lions. Yep. Two and, home uh, losses to the Lions. Indianapolis in a garbage game at the end of last year. Yep. And what would be the other one? There's a. Uh, I'm missing it. But, Dallas. Oh yeah, Dallas. Thursday night color yes. rush game. In a game that Sam, Sam, Sam Bradford, Bradford gets plugged in the head on yep. the last offensive play of the game, and there's no call. Yep, exactly. Not that, that I'm bitter. And that was the game that uh, Mike Zimmer had to miss because of the eyeball. Other than that, they've won every game there, and yep. they've outscored their opponents by 119 points there over the last two years. They have a big advantage of playing at U.S. Bank Stadium. But one of the reasons they have this big advantage is because of the crowd. And it makes it really difficult on opposing quarterbacks to get their signals out and and adjust to the defenses. That will not be the situation. If you play the Super Bowl at your home stadium, you are not going to have the crowd. It would be just like playing it on the road for everyone. For fans, it would be just like they were playing in New Orleans for... You wouldn't have the flame-spitting dragon. You wouldn't have, you know, the the skull chant endorsed on the scoreboard, for example. Yeah. Yeah. Um, A a quick history lesson. Someone asked me the other day, you know, how many teams have played in their home stadium? It's never happened. Right. But twice a team has played the Super Bowl in their home market. Hmm. The L.A. Rams played at the Rose Bowl in the Super Bowl, and I want to say about 1980. They lost to the Steelers. So it wasn't in their home stadium. They were playing in Anaheim at the time, but it was in it was in the Los Angeles area. So they were the de facto home team. And the San Francisco 49ers won a Super Bowl in about 1984, uh, played at Stanford Stadium out in Palo Alto, which is in the Bay Area. So again, they were kind of the home team. But you're, the other thing I was thinking about, and you know, it would be an incredible story, but that's also another reason why Vikings fans just kind of can't buy in fully this season I think is it just seems too unbelievable the idea that <laughs> not only is this team going to the Super Bowl but the Super Bowl is here we're going to play at home keep this in mind the AFC is the home team this year so this is my question let's say all the stars align and the Vikings get to the Super Bowl against the Steelers let's just throw them out yeah. there 
the Steelers technically would be the home team for that game. Mm-hmm. They would get to wear their black jerseys. And here's my question. Would the Steelers get to use the Vikings locker room for that game? Um, I would assume that they would. Yeah. That's crazy to me. Although I'm not so sure that it makes a huge difference. Like, no. But... These guys, they live in their locker rooms that they live in is at Winter Park. Right. So, I mean, that's that's where their home is. That's where you go and the guys have all the stuff in their lockers that they've built up throughout a year. And uh, they have, you know, some guys are messier than others and they get their mail that comes there. That's really their home. Their memorabilia, they, they you know, the kinda, picture of their wife and kids, that kind of stuff yeah, is all they, in Winter Park. They just kind of go visit the U.S. Bank Stadium to play there. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, they even stay in a hotel the night before. I, I think they stay downtown and then they just go over to the stadium in the morning to kind of keep all the players in, sure. in the same place. I, I don't think it would make a huge difference. And even though it's really exciting to have the Super Bowl here, it might end up turning out if the Vikings make it that it's a little disappointing from a Vikings fan standpoint because it won't offer the same sort of uh, advantage to your team and no one will have seen it (laughs) unless you sneak in the glass roof. You're not going to see the Minnesota Vikings. It's somebody from a major company who has brought their family there because they got tickets because they advertise with the NFL. Absolutely. And when you listen to the amount of red carpet things that get rolled out for these owners where they don't have to pay for anything and uh, all that stuff when they come here, drivers and all that, hotels, it's just sort of like, well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's cool. It's great that the Super Bowl is being played here, and I can't wait to go to Super Bowl week and, and cover it and, and all that stuff. But at the same time, at, I think maybe the, the idea of them playing it at home is a little bit on the overhyped side. When I get asked about when I do radio appearances for other cities and they always say, oh, isn't that going to be great? Like, well, I guess so, but I'm not sure how much of a difference it would make for the Vikings to be there. You mentioned ticket prices, by the way, uh, in case you're doing some planning. A friend of mine who is a ticket reseller, this is you know kind of one of his side jobs, he said, uh, expect about 2400 That's what Oof. the expected going rate is to get in the door for the Super Bowl. $2,400 a ticket. So, yeah, be ready. Let's go to Steve here. Steve, you're on with Matt and Jess. What's up? Yeah, I was just thinking about uh, your comment about it not being an advantage. First of all, if the Vikings get in, which is a possibility, it's never been done before. And I heard you say they've played in a market in L.A. and this and that. Never has a home team been in their home stadium like U.S. Bank or any other dome stadium and played. So historical data and what you're talking about, there is none to to say that's what's going to happen. Already many, many Viking fans are going to this game, whether it's them or not them. So the percentage of those people that will be there and making noise and having this be, you know, a home field advantage already is already there built in. Secondly, this town will turn sideways if the Vikings end up on this. So whether people are in the stands or in the courtyards or tailgating or wearing their paraphernalia and what kind of hometown advantage this team will have is I believe, well, it's historical. Well, thanks, Steve. I appreciate the call, but I think inside the stadium, it's not going to be a Vikings crowd. They try to make it a any, neutral site. Anywhere near what you're talking about on a Sunday against the Bengals. It's it's just, it can't be because they give out so many of the tickets to their advertisers that the person I was talking to trying to get tickets said, yeah, they're, they're going to give out a couple thousand max for, to make them available to the public to buy them, to go there and wear your purple. As far as what type of advantage it would give 
to have the town turned sideways. Well, I, I don't know if there's any. I mean, it would be really exciting from that standpoint. It would be fun. I mean, it's it going to be fun no matter who's in this game and, and I, all of that. But I think about would, our web clicks. It would be crazy to have the Vikings <laughs> it, in it. It would be insane to be here during that time and to have it make history. I think my point is only that because of the way this all works, because of the way the Super Bowl works, and because of the type of event it has become, it it will not have a Minnesota feel to it once you walk inside that stadium outside of recognizing the trusses up top and the glass uh, ceiling. It, it, outside of that, it would be just like you were anywhere else. Like, guess what? Every other Super Bowl has some fans travel and go and cheer for their team, but they're mostly drowned out by the indifference of the overall crowd. I think if you've seen any Super Bowls on TV or if you've covered them or anything else, it is not some wild bananas atmosphere where everybody's going crazy at every first down or third and 10. It's very much a like, Oh, something happened. We'll cheer sort of crowd. And that is, that's just unfortunate when you think about how special that could be, but what the event actually has become gives you no opportunity for fans to take over the stadium and give their team an advantage. That's all I'm getting at. Interesting. Although I will say, uh, friends of mine who have covered uh, Super Bowls involving the Cowboys, say Cowboy fans, are everywhere. I can see that. Maybe not in the stadium, but they are everywhere. Just like they come out of the woodwork for these things. Because, you know, talk about one of the great bandwagon teams out there. The Dallas Cowboys are definitely it. Uh, Some news coming out of Winter Park pertaining to Sam Bradford when we come back. And uh, let me get back to something we were talking about with Bradford Early today, we've got Dave Harrigan, Jess Myers, Matthew Collar, and for Mackie and Judd. Phil Mackey. I'd call him a charming Boras. That's what I'd go. Perfect. Okay. Perfect description. Okay. But he's a true gentleman. Oh, they all. Everybody loves him. Judd Zolgad. I think that he's sort of the Steve Bartman of the Twin Cities. Yes. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Matthew Collar, Jess Myers in for Mackey and Judd today. Watching our giant Roku TV here live from the TCL Broadcast Studios. Uh, we've got Mike Golick Jr. from ESPN coming up, and I want to ask him how he feels about bowl season and the championship games uh, coming up and the playoff system, things like that. He's a big college football guy. And John Krasinski to talk a little Wolves at 1230, though ironically he will be talking Wolves from Winter Park, I believe. And uh, some news coming out of Winter Park this morning. Mike Zimmer saying that Sam Bradford will return to practice next week but it is unclear whether he will be activated or not. That will depend on how his knee feels. So now they've got three number one quarterbacks, more or less, uh, out there starting and, and trying to split up the reps at Winter Park. And there's a couple of questions here. One we threw out earlier, if Case Keenum struggled in the first playoff game for the Vikings, would you go to Sam Bradford? But I think before you get to that, Jess, should it be Sam Bradford as the backup quarterback when they go into the playoff game? Should he be the number two and Bridgewater the number three behind Case Keenum? That would be the way I'd play it. I I think you have to look at Bradford as the clear number two right now, just for the fact that he's played and won a game this year, uh, this season, and uh, you know has proven himself in that role. Bridgewater, I think, is going to be a great story. Uh, he's just not there yet. He just looked uh, like you know there there's still a significant amount of rust. That brief time we saw him 
against the Bengals. Um, but here's the bigger question. You know, the old adage that if you have two quarterbacks, you truly have no quarterbacks because you really have to designate a number one guy. What if you have three quarterbacks? I don't think anybody <laughs> has had this kind of wealth of riches before of, of, you know, three potential number one quarterbacks on your roster, all healthy at the same time. In this case. Uh, I see what you did there. Uh, yeah. They really do have three number one quarterbacks. I mean, I don't remember a team that I've ever seen that would have two other quarterbacks on the roster that would be coveted by a dozen teams in the NFL at any time. And I think if you dangled Teddy Bridgewater out there now for a trade, you can't trade now. But if you, if you did that after the season and said, okay, we'll trade you Teddy Bridgewater, depending on how the contract thing plays out, whether he's technically a free agent or under contract next year, I have not gotten a clear answer on that. And when we asked Rick Spielman, he wouldn't go into any sort of detail. But if you were to, to trade him, I, I think teams would line up to give you picks or, or yeah, usually picks are the, are the thing. Uh, to take Teddy Bridgewater and with Sam Bradford, as well as he played last year, and then especially in that first game, what he showed, there would be some interest in him if he's healthy and the knee is there uh, for him to be a starting quarterback on a number of teams. That was the easy joke, you know, when Carson Wentz got hurt as well. They should trade Sam Bradford back <laughs> yes. to the Eagles, get a get, number one pick. Get that pick number for one him. pick, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, w- well, I think that I would agree with you with Bradford, but. Bridgewater has been practicing this entire time. And even though he he threw two passes in that game against the Bengals, so what can you really take away from it? One of them gets intercepted, but it goes right through Jarek McKinnon's hands. He's got to catch that and normally does, I would assume. And the other play is a good throw to Michael Floyd, and then he just drops it. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know what happened on those two plays other than the Vikings already thinking that they won the game and uh, maybe not concentrating the same level. But the fact that Bridgewater has been practicing for the entire time, and also Bridgewater is much more of a comeback sort of quarterback than Sam Bradford is. Like just in 2015, but also you go even all the way back to when he was in college. It's it's been a Bridgewater type thing to come through in the big situations. I did a story on it where I interviewed analytics people and I interviewed a sports psychologist and pl- a bunch of players to try and figure out if there was something to it. And all the numbers back up that Bridgewater was huge in great situations, you know, bowl games or when the team is down or third and longs or anytime that the lights are their brightest. That might make me lean toward having Bridgewater combined with the fact that he's been practicing, he has been healthy this entire time coming back from his knee injury, that he would be the guy if Case Keenum were to get hurt or if Case Keenum really struggled in the first half and they were down two touchdowns. I think that scenario just, I I think you would go to Bridgewater. Think back a year ago. Do you remember the conversation we had when, when we said, you know, one year from now we're going to be talking about whether Bradford or Bridgewater should back up Case Keenum in the Vikings' <laughs> first-round by mm-hmm. playoff home game. You know, I mean, it just... I have to just fathom just what this all means for this team and how far this team has come in a year that we're even in this situation. You know, people knew Case Keenum from watching Hard Knocks, probably, the mm-hmm. year before. Hard Knocks with the Los Angeles Rams, when he was... Just let's be honest, he was keeping the seat warm for Jared Goff in Los Angeles. Everybody talked about what a fantastic college quarterback he'd been in Houston's system, and yet, you know, the the draft people had ignored him, all of that. So 
to me, that part is just amazing. Just to, to think where this franchise is from a year ago. But, you know, I like what you say about Bridgewater. And I don't have the stats in front of me, but I think back to that Seattle playoff game yeah. in horrendous conditions. I mean, it was brutally cold. You know, you're playing outdoors at home, granted, against a really good Seattle defense. And, you know, he did everything he needed to do to win them that game. He put them in perfect position where a chip shot field goal should have put them onto the next round. You know, we all know what happened. We certainly can't blame one player for that loss, even if that one player is Blair Walsh, because there were lots of other things that could have happened to win that game. But uh, you're right about seeing him in the bright lights, you know, on national TV with adversity in his face. Bridgewater has come through in those situations. And there are a number of times last year where even though I wouldn't blame Sam Bradford for what went down last year because the offensive line was so bad, there were times where the game was there to be won and he didn't come through. An interception on Thanksgiving Day, an interception at the end of the Washington game. If you win one of those, then maybe you end up in the playoffs. Maybe right. things break your way and uh, you do get in instead of going 8-8 eight and, eight and missing the playoffs. And that's kind of been his, he's almost the anti-Bridgewater when it comes to that stuff. But then again, we've never seen Sam Bradford fully healthy with a really good team ever in his career. And he's got to be thinking as he comes back here, can you believe this? I mean, he's just got to be, can you believe that he, he probably thought, okay, the knee is messed up and I'll come back. Case will keep the seat warm again. I'll come back, take over this team. We'll be great. We'll be in the Super Bowl conversation and it'll be fine. And then it's sees a number of specialists and it still hurts. And then it's got to have surgery. And then by the time he is ready to come back, it's not the Aaron Rodgers situation where you just come back like, okay, he's back, put him in. It's, oh yeah, well, Case is playing pretty well, so he's gonna he's gonna stay. Uh, we have uh, questions of significant importance coming up next, uh, Dave. What do you have on that? Uh, Anything news, significant? News out of St. Paul Anything and important? what the Zach Parisi is going to be doing tomorrow night. I think we'll get into that. All right, and uh, I also want to ask you, Jess, coming up at noon, how much we should trust Case Keenum when we get. Uh, to playoff time. Oh, we'll, we'll do that. Jess Myers, Matthew Collar here in for Mackie and Judd. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. We do love our grumps. Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Now on Mackie and Judd. Do you believe in past lives? Did we ever really land on the moon? Questions. What are the six degrees that separate you and Kevin Bacon? Of significant importance. All right, Dave, you tell us that there is Zach Parisi news. Matt and uh, Jess in for Mackie and Judd. Yeah. What is our news? I was uh, reading this from the Twitter account of Dane Mizzitani, who covers the wild for the Pioneer Press. Uh, Zach Parisi packing his bags, headed to make a rehab assignment tomorrow with the Iowa Wild. He's making the drive down to Des Moines. When you said packing his bags, it's like, they made the trade we were talking about earlier. Yes. Here, here, here's the biggest thing about that. Uh, dollar dog night tomorrow night in Des Moines. Oh, Iowa Wild taking on the Rockford Ice Hogs, 7 p.m. at the Wells Fargo, I believe it's Arena, in downtown Des Moines. If you're up for a road trip, if the cold weather's getting to you, you say, honey, let's pack our bags. Let's go down south for a little overnight. Well, Des Moines down south, technically. Mm, you know, go, go see okay. Zach play for that. That might be a tough sell. What is the most ridiculous... Sorry, was this going to be your question, Dave? No, go for it. Okay. What is the most ridiculous or uh, maybe just whim sports trip that you have taken? You guys got any? Hmm. 
I've taken a lot of just hop in the car, gone to a college hockey game in like St. Cloud, Mankato. But, you know, I wouldn't call those ridiculous. That's just, uh, you know, just kind of my weird obsession with I, college hockey. I think if you drove to Iowa to see Zach Parisi play in the minor leagues for a game, that would be ridiculous. Okay. But, I mean, it's cool. Like, I'm all for the sports trip. But it would just, if you told me you were doing that, I'd be like, okay, you're crazy. Yeah, that, that's I agree a, with you. That's nutty. No, I, I don't do on a whim crazy things like that. I, I plan it out. Spontaneity has yeah. its time and its place. Well, yeah, right? like my, my dad, you know, invited me years ago to go, hey, this Byron Buxton kid's playing in Cedar Rapids. I hear he's really going to be good. And No, dad, you have fun. I'm not going. Mm. I'm not doing that. I'm not oh. going to Cedar Rapids on a weekend. I'm sorry. Okay, well, I've had I a, was hoping a we would get into Dave's issues with his father, but, yeah, you know, that's really. probably a whole other show. Well, but. he's just more spontaneous than, than I am. Uh, yeah. After the conversation, now, I mean, I can't throw any stones here, but after earlier where you were talking about going to bed at 9.30 on uh, New Year's Eve, and then combined with, no, Dad, I must plan that trip if I'm going to take it. <laughs> oh, I'm a barrel, for, barrel of fun, <laughs> let me tell you. Um, I once drove two hours from the Buffalo area to Syracuse to see John Smoltz do a rehab start when he was making his comeback. I think maybe it was with... Boston, he was making a little comeback, and then he ended his career with the St. Louis Cardinals. I think that was right. So drove all the way down, and then got there. Smoltz warms up, goes to take the mound, and it pours, and they just canceled the game. So I drove all the way down there to see John Smoltz take a few warm up throws, and that was it. Did I make it clear it's Dollar Dog Night down in Iowa? I did bring that up. And Again, they know pork that's in actually Iowa, uh, that's so a big draw I'm, for me. I'm, I'm I think just that saying that's like part of the equation. Yeah, absolutely. Also, it wasn't so much of a whim, but uh, my wife and I once drove nine hours to Dartmouth University to see Elena Deladon play basketball. If you don't know who she is, she's Basically, uh, one of the best women's basketball players of all time. And we, I showed you my credential from the WNBA yes, finals. So yes, so you know who you're she not going to stump me on. Well, Elena just Deladon. I mean, we're big on the WNBA here, but we drove all the way across the state of New York to where is Dartmouth? Is that in New Hampshire? Lebanon, New Hampshire. I believe. It's right on the edge of New Hampshire and whatever other states over there, Vermont. And we drove all the way there through a, so, a snowstorm to get there to see her play back to back games, and because she had been recruited by UConn and decided that she wanted to stay close to home and went to Delaware. So they were playing teams that were like just regular sort of average D1 team. I mean, Dartmouth, just yep. like these yep. regular teams. And she's six foot six and can carry the basketball and pull up for three. She's like watching Kevin Durant play and watching her do that against these little people who are sort of trying. It's not like they're the great programs. Like, oh, I've got her. No, nope, I don't got her. And she was just, it was amazing to see. It was completely worth it because then we went around Dartmouth and we made a whole trip of it, but that was kind of the reason we went. It was super cool to see someone so dominant at their sport at the lower level who was like your dad wanted to see Buxton, who was going to be the mega star when they got to the pros. And she has. So I like doing stuff like that. I like going to the minor leagues and seeing uh, who might be the next star or whatever else, trying to figure that out. That's I, always fun. I do travel to the NCAA Frozen Four every year. Do you? And now that's almost exclusively played in NHL arenas, but that wasn't always the case when I started going. So I have paid for a flight to Albany before, uh, for example. <laughs> uh, Providence as well, also on that list of you know places they used to play the Frozen Four mm -hmm. when it was a smaller event. And uh, yeah, so I, I have taken a few crazy sports trips. Uh, I have not. Let's, uh, let's make this the quick question, though. 45 games to go 
for the Wild after tonight. All right. Zach Parisi rehab game tomorrow means I guess he's probably close to coming back. Maybe we shall see if you are making the Vegas over under line. Now knowing what we know now that he's going to a rehab assignment to play an actual hockey game hmm. over under on games played for Parisi the rest of the year. How many? Out of 45, hmm, 30. That's a pretty good over under. I was going to say 35, you know, because he's always been a guy who every now and then needs a maintenance day. Uh, but yeah, I think you're right in that range. I think that's a, that's a safe, safe assumption. How many of those 45 can they win with him back in the lineup? Because I don't think, I think it's a, it makes a difference, but I don't think it makes, it's not like getting Crosby back or something like it. Years ago with Parisi, it would have been like getting Crosby back. He was so good. Now it's just another guy with he plays hard and he'll score sometimes, but it's not like what it would have meant. I would say that he's more than just another guy in the sense that what he brings to that locker room and the example he sets with uh, the motor he has and the fire he has, I think at this point in his career means as much as the goals and assists he's going to bring to that team. You know, he's a guy who plays from the hash marks in or from the crease on in, um, and they need that kind of grit. They need a Marcus Foligno to step up and be a player like that, and we haven't seen that yet. So adding that kind of player... Uh, I think is a big addition. I can confirm that people have been wanting that from Marcus Foligno for a very, very long time. <laughs> like the head coach? Uh, he's like, been complaining all year that nobody gets in front of the net, right? Like every head coach that he's ever had. <laughs> um, okay, we've got Mike Golick Jr. coming up next. John Krasinski, uh, well, sorry, at uh, 12.15. John Krasinski coming up 12.30 to talk a little Wolves. And there was something, Jess, that you're going to have to remind me of that I was going to ask you at noon. What was it? Oh, Case Keenum. Do we trust him in the playoffs? That's coming up next. Jess and Matt in for Mackie and Judd. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. And take your workout to the next level with accessories like non-slip grip dumbbells, a heart rate monitor, cycling shoes, and more. Peloton, motivation that moves you. This limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.